Welcome to another inspirational message from Shoreline City. Happy Sunday, Shoreline City. Are you ready for a fantastic, amazing, wonderful day? No, really, are you ready for a fantastic, amazing, wonderful day? I want to hear from you because I think God is going to do some great things in us today. Welcome. Now, last week was Easter. And it was phenomenal. We were able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I just have to say a huge thank you to everybody who was on a serve team. Every person who came early, stayed late. Individuals that were putting mulch in flower beds. People that were setting up and tearing down at Bishop Arts. Individuals that were driving golf carts. People all over this church serving in bigs and in littles. Thank you. You set the table beautifully. Uh, I'm amazed that, you know, there was almost 6,500 individuals that uh, came and were a part of this young six-year-old church. But I'm more amazed of the people, with the people that God has assembled here to serve, to love, to set a table, to remind every person they are loved and valued and believed in, individuals that are making it on earth as it is in heaven. So let's give a huge round of applause to all of our leaders, all of our serve team folks for stepping up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now today, you are in for an amazing treat because the lead pastor of this church, the preacher extraordinaire, the hottest woman I've ever seen in my entire life, and she is my wife, is preaching today. I want you to give a huge round of applause in Bishop Arts here at White Rock, in Antigua, even online. I want you to give a huge round of applause for Pastor Onika McClellan as she comes to share God's word with us. Hey, family, how are you? You may be seated. Love y'all. How you doing, third service? You rested? How nice is it to sleep in a little bit? Well, I'm so excited to see each and every one of you. We are in for a great day. Third service, I can tell y'all are lit and ready to go, which I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Well, Earl is in Miami speaking at a friend's church, but he sends his love, and he will be back up here next week as we continue the series that we're starting today, which is called Relationship Goals. We're all in some type of relationship friendships, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, singles, roommate, coworker, you name it. There's some type of family. Hello. How tricky can those relationships be? Woo, true. Real story, but I'm not going to go into it. Just in case that family member ever comes to church, I want you to embrace he or she. But with that said, we all need help navigating relationships, and that's why we're going to take the next couple weeks to talk about them. Go with me to Genesis 37. We're going to jump right in. One time, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. They saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted against him and decided to kill him. Today, we're going to talk about sibling rivalry. So many siblings all throughout the Bible, all throughout history. We got Cain and Abel. We all know how that ended, many of us. It ended in one brother being jealous of the other one and ended up in his life being taken. Got Mary and Martha. One was sitting at the feet of Jesus just hanging on his every word. The other one was running around the house cleaning. It caused conflict. Con, can't talk. Conflict. 
The other, we have David. His brothers were out just listening to Goliath spew out all this venom. And his dad said, go check on your brothers. He shows up on the scene ready to be a strength. And his brothers look at him like, what? What are you doing here? What do you have to offer? Or I can talk to you about my kids' sibling rivalry. I have three, which is so crazy. I can't believe I have three children. L, who's our two-year-old, little, passionate, girl boss, leader, firecracker, most amazing, cutest little thing ever. She will wear a bow, but she also can handle a bow and arrow. That is my L. She's that kind of girl. And then I have Grayson, who's seven, and I always refer to him as wonder in a bottle because he just has this childlike innocence about him. He's the smartest kid ever. He gets straight A's. His teachers love him and rave about him. But he has the cutest little lisp, which I just can't get rid of. I just, I'm meaning I haven't tried to. I haven't done speech therapy or anything yet. Don't judge me. But I just think his voice is so cute. But I know when he's 16, that's not going to work. So I got to work on that. I will at some point. Then we have Parker, who is 13, who is just amazing as well. Keeps us quite busy and on our toes. I'm navigating being a boy mom of a preteen. And just, it just changes. Grayson will still sit in my lap. He'll say, Mom, you're so beautiful, and just snuggle with me. Parker's like, sup, Mom. (laughs) It's just so different. So different. He doesn't use as many words anymore. Like, Grayson, we're like, slow down, buddy. We can't understand what you're saying. Parker, we're like, pulling it out. And so I was telling Second Service how we're learning in this season of our lives as parents how to parent a preteen. And he's amazing. I know he's going to be a leader but we feel like we're in the newborn stage where we don't know what the heck we're doing. But he gives us grace. We give each other grace, and um, I can't wait to see who he turns out to be. But with that said, my kids get on each other's nerves sometimes. One minute, they're the best of friends, laughing, playing. It's like a Hallmark card moment. I look across the dinner table, and I'm like, oh, yes, that's us Halloween, a family photo, and then Thanksgiving. So look how angelic they look. So sometimes, and look at the little turtlenecks from H&M. Don't you love H&M? You can look like a boss for $12.99. I'm not mad about it. So not mad about it. But so they're dreaming in those photos. But then when that photo's over, somebody's playing with someone's toy. Last night it was so-and-so has my book. That was my book that I got for Christmas. I'm like, who cares? Then just real talk is third service, so you guys get unfiltered everything. So I got this new sweatshirt that I was so excited about. It was an oversized champion sweatshirt. $22. I was so proud of my conquest. I'm a bargain shopper if you haven't figured it out. Um, Unless someone gives me a gift and then I don't care if it's a bargain or not. I'm just thankful for it. But with that said, I wore it yesterday because Earl was leaving to go out of town. We had a full weekend and I was like, I'm going to wear something cozy and fun. And even though I'm home with the three kids by myself, (laughs) praise them, shout out to single moms, your warriors. I thought, I'm going to put on my cozy sweatshirt so I can just feel like a girl boss while I'm at home and still feel cute. Because sometimes when you, you'll know this when you're a mom one day, that sometimes you have to dress how you want to feel inside to just cheer yourself up. (laughs) So I put on my new sweatshirt. You know what? My kids don't even appreciate it. But it was really cute. So there's this thing that you can make. It's called glob. You use Elmer's slime. You use Elmer's glue and all this stuff with borax, and it makes this slimy thing. Parents know what I'm talking about. So there is some on our counter. I don't see it. So I'm talking with one of the kids, and I lean down in my new sweatshirt, and then I lift up my arm filled with blue globs. So sweatshirt is officially ruined. But, yeah, pour it out. And, um, yeah, pour it out. 
But with that said, kids are crazy. They can be arguing one minute, hugging the other, sibling rivalry. I was thinking about our church. I was, look around, look at all the amazing people that God has brought. I was just talking to Rayma about this. It was even six years ago that we were in a nursing home with 22 people. You say nursing home, I know that sounds crazy. But we rented an amphitheater there. It was only $50 a month. As soon as Earl and I found out the rent, we're like, sold. This is where the new home of Shoreline City. And so there are about 17 of us. And we do the same thing that we do still to this day. We pray for the one. We remember the one. We believe God for the lost to come home. This is not a show. It's not a production. We really do care when lives are changed and we celebrate it. And I was thinking as we grow that as the mama bear of the house, it's so important for me to just remind us who we are and where we're headed. So this message is not like a get ready, get ready, get ready, get out the hanky. I'm going to run around and do laps kind of message. Though There's plenty of those on the Internet. This is a message from my heart to yours, and I believe that it's the Father's heart that he has for his church and for this house. Because I feel like as we continue to grow, that it's important for you all who are new to know who we are. And we're not comfortable with you just sitting in your seat and not changing and not transforming. But only God can do that. And so we care about your future and we care about your today. So I'm just going to take time. We're going to go through scriptures. And we're going to talk about family dynamics in the Bible. Because at Easter, y'all, over 300 people gave their lives to Jesus. That's amazing. So we have new siblings. And the mistake that we made with Parker, I mean with Grayson, when L came into our life. So Grayson is seven, L is two. We didn't prep him. We just, because literally we got a text message on a Monday that said a baby's been born. Do you know someone who would want to adopt her? That was Monday. No crib, no diapers, no formula. Friday, Friday, she was in our home in our arms. I think we have a picture of Grayson holding her for the first time. Um, look at that. Look how little she was. So literally that was her first hour in our house. So because it happened so fast, we didn't get to prep Grayson. So guess what? He reverted. So he started acting like a baby. He started whining and having tantrums and just felt lost and misunderstood because we didn't have the talk like we had with Parker. When Parker was about to have a little brother, we prepped him. So he actually emerged. Look. <laughs> so he actually emerged, and actually we saw him step into becoming like a little big boy because he would help us all the time because we prepped him. So as our church grows, with over 300 people that came, that came to know Jesus on Easter, I feel like i got to prep all of y'all so you know how to handle all your new siblings, right? So jump with me into the Bible. We're going to go right in to the story of the prodigal son. This is the story of a father's love for his son who was lost. And it's also the story of two brothers who basically didn't understand their worth. So you have the prodigal son. He says to his dad, Dad, I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait till you die. I want it now. So the dad, being gracious and loving, said, you can have it now. So the younger brother, known as the prodigal son, left with the money, spent it, lost his mind, taking selfies in every bar all around town, <laughs> dropping it like it's hot on the club, meeting girls left and right on, where do, where do you guys meet people these days? What's that app? Tinder, yes. He was all up on Tinder to put it in our day and age, and spent everything he had. There was a famine, and he found himself starving and didn't have any more money, so he got a job taking care of pigs. 
And this is how low he got. He thought to himself, even the pigs are eating better than I am. That's where we pick up the story. Luke 15, verses 17. When he finally came to his senses. And as I was studying that, I thought, how good is God that someone can come to their senses in a pig pen? So that means there's hope for me and you. Because you could feel like you're in a pig pen today. Your thought life could be like a pig pen. Just dirty, stinky, muddy, messy. Your job could be like a pig pen. Your marriage could be like a pig pen. Your friends could have literally didn't even go home last night in a pig pen. But even in a pig pen, we can come to our senses. I think sometimes you think you have to come to your senses when you're only at church because the worship's playing. Rachel's just killing it. She's literally like a real-life angel. Like, I've known her for over six years, and the same person she is up here is who she is when she's not up here. And she loves Jesus, and that's why she's so passionate fighting with us and for you. But with that said, that's not the only time we can come to our senses. He, this is what he said. At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger because he came from a wealthy family and found himself in a pig pen. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven. Am I no longer worthy of being called your son? Please take me on as your hired servant. And I was thinking about him in the pig pen, and I was thinking that he was probably rehearsing what he's going to say to his dad when he walks up. Because that's what it says. He's trying to figure out his narrative before he steps into it. So I think about all the people that walk through these doors today. Many of you are probably rehearsing, like, what am I going to do? What door am I going to go in? Okay, such and such door, the people that the door are usually a little bit quieter. So I'm going to walk in that door or this door. I'm going to be able to slip in and slip out. Or I don't want them to smell what's on me. I don't want them to know that I'm frustrated today. Like planning our narrative, what am I going to wear? I don't, I don't want to be too this or too that. Planning our narrative before we step into this door. And some people who are literally just coming to their senses are doing exactly what he did. And this helps us, just putting yourself in this story helps you identify with someone who's lost in any area of their life. That's why it's so important. But listen to the response of the father, which is the response of our father. So he returned home to his father. <clears throat> and while he was still a long way off. Say long way off. Not on the edge of breakthrough. Not right on the brink of a miracle. Not just living for God with everything in him. Long way off. So think about what areas of your life that you feel a long way off in. I'm just here to tell you, there's hope for you. Because listen, it says, even when he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. That's good news. And I want us to be a church that even when someone is a long way off in any area of their life, we still see them coming. That's why we pray before you get here. Yes, it's okay to clap because we see you before you get here. So many of you don't realize that you're an answer to prayer. When we were meeting, so we st I'm just going to give you a little church history because I feel like you have to know context to appreciate what God is doing. Started a nursing home. Started in Ron and Judy Brown's living room, actually. Just a handful of us. Then we rented the nursing home, the amphitheater, 50 bucks a month. Then we outgrew that, started renting the Angelica movie theater with about 150 people. Faithful. But all those people who have gone before you, the great cloud of witnesses, we, you were, we prayed for you before we knew you. 
And so I need us as a church as we continue to grow to be thinking about who else is in the distance that you 800 people and anyone watching online is being mandated and knighted today to see in the distance. That's what this father said. And then it's so awesome because it says, I love this. I thought to myself, are we seeing people a long way off? Then the verse goes on to say, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And back then it was not normal when you're dignified and you come from wealth. You don't run towards people. You don't embrace them. You don't kiss them because you're proud and you're distinguished and people are watching and you have to set an example. But this dad did not care what other people think. And your heavenly father, he, no matter how far off you feel, in what area of your life, he sees you. And he is running towards you today. And that's the posture that I want our church to have. That we see people in the distance and we see them before their home. Anytime you're sitting next to an empty seat, you should pray, Father God, I pray for that next person who's going to be sitting in this seat. I pray for the person who's going to sit in this seat after me. I pray for a download from heaven. I pray for whoever was too hungover to come today. And I pray that even now they would get a revelation of your love. I pray for who got into a fight on the way and that couple decided not to come to church. We have to see other people because when you see other people, it gives you peace in whatever storm you're facing and fighting. Go with me to the story of Joseph. And the thing is, before we go to Joseph, I want to say one more thing about the dad of the prodigal son. He didn't judge him. He didn't look at him and say, where have you been? He ran towards him. And he didn't think, well, you owe me. You spent all my money, so you need to come to me. He went to him. Just think about that for a second. So then we have Joseph and his brothers. Joseph was a dreamer. He was the younger brother, telling everybody his dreams. He was very misunderstood. His dad loved him so much that he made him this coat of many colors. And it was this long robe that had sleeves and went all the way down to the floor. And so it talked about that that meant you weren't like a working person, that the working people had the shorter garments. But because he was, you know, the favorite of the dad, he got the special robe. Then he had the dreams. So then everybody, his brothers teased him basically like, here comes a dreamer. So that jealousy turned into rage and it turned into anger. And so this is an example. We should follow the example of the father of the prodigal son. I'm going to show you all throughout scripture. We're going to go back and forth between the father and then the brothers to paint the picture of how we don't want to be as a church and as individuals and as families. So Joseph, this is Joseph the dreamer. His dad said, go check on your brothers. Genesis 37. Y'all have to read this again if you aren't familiar with the story or reread it because some truths will come out. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Verse 18, they saw him in the distance. So this is the negative of seeing in the distance. Pot, not Potiphar. Where did I get Potiphar? Oh, I'm fast-forwarding of Joseph. Um, the prodigal son's dad, the dad in the prodigal son's story, he saw his son in the distance and ran towards him. This is what these brothers did, verse 18. They saw their brother in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted against him. And decided to kill him. That's a different way of looking at seeing someone in the distance. When you see someone in the distance, are you seeing their best? When you see your girlfriend, your spouse, your teacher in the distance, are you seeing the best, your coworker, or the worst? I wrote this down. Do you have a plot mindset like Joseph and his brothers? Or do you have a plan mindset like the prodigal son's dad? And this is how you know. 
just little tiny indicators that just kind of give you a gauge. If it takes you 20 minutes to park and you're bent out of shape thinking, oh, no, I don't even know if that's the right church for me. It keeps growing, all these cars, all these people, all these lines, can't get in, can't get out. What's the big deal? Why do I have to wait? That is a plot mindset. A plan mindset is look at all these cars. I'm going to pray for every single car in front of me and believe, God, that they're going to meet with Jesus today. Yes, let's clap because that's who we are. That's who you are. I know you are. A planned mindset is it took me so long to park. I wonder if I should sign up for the parking lot team because maybe they need help. Every week I pull up, I see the same smiley person. I wonder if they need more people so that I can help so that this guy doesn't get worn out from helping me find my car. Is that okay to be real, real talk? It's just like a family. You have some siblings, like one of my children, I won't mention their name, so if you see them in the hallway, you won't go, I heard this story from your mom. But one of my siblings feels like they always have to do all the chores. The other one um, does not. And so what happens is that particular sibling gets kind of like antsy and bitter and not appreciative because they feel like they have to do everything. It just doesn't breed health. And so it's so important for us as a church to breed life and light, and it takes a village and as we grow, we need more of you to say, put me in, coach. I want to help. Even if it's once a month, it makes a difference. It really does make a difference. So we are going to have a plan mindset to find out how we can be a part of the solution and not a plot like a don't put us in a box. Like just because the church is growing doesn't mean we're like the other church that you went to that was growing. We will not stop loving people, serving people, believing in people. It's who we are. We can't help it. We're not changing. And that's good news. Nobody here is trying to be famous. Nobody here is trying to be on a billboard. Nobody here is trying to do anything but lift up the name of Jesus. Because he's the only one who can save us. And so it's so important that not just Earl and I see you, not just the staff and the team see you, but that you see each other and that you see each other in the distance. Is it okay to be real this morning? Can y'all handle it? Awesome. Awesome. Also, we're going to talk about another parallel. We're going to go back and forth between the prodigal son and his dad and then also Joseph and his brothers. So go with me to Luke 15, 22. But his father said to his servants, this is the father who loves his son, who loves you. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Do you notice he doesn't say to his son when he sees him in the distance, go take a shower, you smell like pigs, you spent all my money. That's not God. He's so good. I was listening to that passion song this whole week. It's called God, You're So Good, something along those lines. And it just I was just singing it. Even when things were not happening the way that I had planned for them to happen this week, I just kept blasting, God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. He's so good, even in the midst when we cannot understand. Listen to this father. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Then... Get a ring and put it on his finger and sandals on his feet. He clothed his son with dignity. And that's what I want you to do each and every week when you see someone in this house. I want you to clothe them with dignity. You do that by saying hi. You do that by smiling. You do that by saying, hey, come sit by me. I see you in the lobby standing by myself. You do that by inviting someone to lunch. You do that by serving in bigs and littles or whatever area that you jump into. The video, the tech, you name it, whatever part you play, you're putting a robe on someone. Someone who feels dirty and messy and just came out of a pig pen. And they don't have to look it on the outside. You can be the most brilliant, brilliant Bible scholar ever, but you can still need a robe put on you. 
right? And so I want us as a church, and I want you to know this. This is so important. I could have preached something that would have made you wave your hankies and think that I'm a great communicator, but I felt more importantly that this is not about me. I felt like it's about all the people that are stuck in pig pens and that I feel that we're called as a church to put robes on them. And so I'm just taking my time this morning to remind us who we are so that you guys see each other the right way. So this is what he did, the dad. Bring the finest robe in the house. Get a ring for his finger. Put sandals on his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening, which is basically like get out the flame and yawn, the very best of the best. I love this. For this son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. <clears throat> Who's dead in your life that you're believing, God, that they would return to life? Who's lost that you're believing would be found? You could feel lost here today. You could feel like I don't even know why I came to church today, but just something propelled you. God's going to meet you here. But now he is found, so let the party begin. That is a powerful response of a loving father. He said, get the best meat out. We're about to celebrate. My son, we thought he was dead, but he's alive. That's why we go crazy here at church. That's why we're so passionate. That's why we smile and we're so excited that you're here. Every Sunday we're celebrating that what seemed dead is now alive. This is who we are. Genesis 37, 19. Here we go to Joseph and his brothers. This is what we don't want to be. They said to one another, here comes a dreamer. Here comes that new person. Here comes that lady who always dresses inappropriate. She seems like she just came from the club. It's true. People think those thoughts. That's just second service, though, not y'all, right? <laughs> Come on now. Let's kill him and throw his body into one of the wells. This is Joseph's brothers who is jealous of him. We can say that a wild animal killed him. Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. So you have the dad of the prodigal son. He kills the calf to celebrate. You have Joseph's own brothers who kill a goat. The scriptures go on to say that they ripped off his robe, dipped it in blood, brought it home to this um, father and said, basically, your son's been gone, been killed by a wild animal while he was actually left for dead in a well. Do you see the difference of the family dynamics? You have one family who covers up the well-being of their brother. You have another family who kills the fatted calf and celebrates. And that's the type of church that we are called to be. We are called to celebrate when even one person comes home. Even one. We care that your coworker came today. We care that your husband who never came to church ever before walked in these doors. We care that you're here who have been coming faithfully for years because we prayed for you. I think about the robes and what they, how they were so significant during this time. Luke 15, 22, going back to the father. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, which symbolized you belong, son. You're a part of this family. And I want you to know that each and every one of you, you belong here. You're a part of this family. No matter your story, no matter your situation, no matter your circumstance, no matter what thoughts you're battling, I just want you to know that you belong. And God wants to put a ring on your finger to remind you that today. He wants to put sandals on your feet. And a lot of times he uses people to do that. Then we go to Joseph. So you have the dad who says you belong. Then we go to Joseph and his brothers who literally rip off his robe, like I said before, and they threw, them, threw him into a well. I want us to be a church that does not rip robes off of people, that does not judge people, that does not make people have to 
rehearse what they're going to say before they get here. But I want us to be a church. I want each and every one of you to be people who put robes on people. Robes on people. Dignity. Value. Worth. Because here's the deal. There's marriages that are here today that are in a pig pen. There's thought lives that are so crazy that if we were put them on the screen, we would all be bawling and crying. They need robes on them. There's people in school right now who take medication to study at night because they're afraid what their parents are going to think if they get a B. We got to put robes on them. There's people who are older who have been serving Jesus for so long, but it feels stale to them. and need a fresh reminder that God is not done with them yet. Let's put a robe on them. Let's be a church that sees people, gives them dignity, gives them value, gives them worth that, of course, only comes from Jesus Christ. Earlier this week, Earl went to um, Dick's Sporting Goods. They opened a new one in our neighborhood, so he brought two out of our three. I stayed home with one. <clears throat> he took two. Sometimes we like to divide and conquer because it's a little crazy. It is. Ooh, it's really crazy, but it's awesome. I'm just being honest. I'm not going to lie to you and just act like we skip around at our house all the time just because we love Jesus. We don't. But with that said, he goes, you know what? It's a little crazy right now. Let's divide and conquer. You keep one. I'll take two. Ready, break, knuckles. So he leaves, goes to Dick's Sporting Goods. I always put our little girl, um, her name's Elle, in these like bows and monogram everything. And I just, I'm having fun having a girl. But with that said, Earl said she needs an Adidas sweatsuit, like one with the skinny pants and just this dope Adidas sweatsuit. And so he takes her to Dick's Sporting Goods, and as soon as he walks in, no one says hi. They just don't even acknowledge that he's there, which is fine, whatever, it's Dick's Sporting Goods. We're not expecting them to have the best customer service, but it's new. So you would think that they're just like hype still, like excited to be in the neighborhood. Nope. So he walks up and he, he greets them. Hey, how are you doing today? He greets, he's a greeter everywhere he goes. Y'all, when I'm on an airplane with him, he's just that person. He genuinely loves people, like for real. Like when we're on an airplane, anyone who needs help with their bags, he sees anyone strain. He's like, I got that for you. He's the person at the grocery store if someone's, if there's a mom who's on Struggle Street, her kids are crying. He's the one who says, let me help you put them in your car. He's just that person, and I'm so grateful that he's our pastor because he genuinely loves people. He does. And so he greets them, and he asks where the Adidas little baby sweatsuits are, and they just point. You know why they just point? Because it's not their house. You know why they just point? Because they didn't see him. And I don't want us to become a church that just points. I want us to see each other because we don't know what we're walking. We don't know. You don't know who you're sitting by. But you don't realize by you putting a robe on them, by you putting on value on them, you don't know what it could unlock on the inside of them. And it could be your family member that they end up changing and transforming. You just, God is so sweet that way. But with that said, go with me back to Luke 15 as we prepare to land this plane. As we just look at the story of two families. One family that saw someone in the distance before they arrived. Another family who cut them off at the knees before he even had a chance to arrive. Now we're going to look at the prodigal son's other brother who we didn't talk about. Luke 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. You know, because the dad's like, get the robe, get the ring, get the shoes. My son is home. And listen to this. And he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told. 
and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Verse 28, the older brother was angry, so he was pouting. He wouldn't even go in. His father had to come out. But catch this, our heavenly father loves both sons exactly the same. He loves the son that came back home who was lost, but he also noticed that this son who's been faithful was missing. That's how good God is. So if you've been coming here for six years or you've been coming here for one Sunday, we see you, we love you, we value you, and we're glad you're here. So listen to this. This is the brother going off on, all the, on the dad. It says, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. I checked all the boxes. I did everything right. I made all good choices. I showed up on time every time. And in that time, you never gave me even one goat for a feast with my friends. Verse 30, yet when this son of yours come back, comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fat calf. And notice he says, this son of yours. He doesn't even, it's not even his brother to him. His father said to him, look, dear son. Hear the compassion that he has for both sons. He says, dear son, look, dear son. You have always stayed with me. And everything I have is yours. Everything. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead, and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I think about why you want, some of you may wonder, why, are you, why do you worship with your hands so high? We worship with our hands so high because we know where God brought us. I didn't always serve Jesus. So many of us haven't always served Jesus. There was a day when I was just like the prodigal son. I was the prodigal daughter out in clubs and bars. Me, right here in the red polo. Me. Just losing my mind, just like the prodigal son. But when I worship now, when I sing those songs, I'm thanking God because I used to be lost. I used to be dead. I walked into a clothing store one day and started working there because I wanted a discount. And one of my coworkers kept inviting me to church over and over again. Did she judge me? She smelled alcohol in my breath all the time. Never judged me. Never made me feel like an idiot. Just placed a robe on me invited me over to her house for dessert, just placed a ring on me, invited me to church over and over and over again until one day I walked into a house of God just like this one and I saw young people worshiping with passion and abandonment and I thought, I could do that. I want to serve this God that they're talking about. I want hope. I want peace. I don't want to keep living like that. So you wonder when I worship like a crazy woman, I'm like a stage mom just cheering on the worship team. I'm worshiping because I know each and every one of their stories. I know when their marriages weren't where they should be. I know when they were giving up on being single. I know when they're in the hospital. I know when their family members were sick. And I worship with them because I know they're worshiping, not because life is perfect, but because they know that there's a God in heaven that is fighting every battle. So when you walk in every single Sunday, say hi to someone. Don't just point. Say hi and say that I see you. But the two brothers, you had the brother who left and spent it all. You had the brother who stayed behind. Even the brother who stayed behind, if you put the scripture on the screen, said, I've been slaving for you. So he was home 
with the father still had a slave mindset. The son who left slaved in the fields with the pigs. So God is saying you don't have to be a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter, whether you've been planted in the house for years or whether you're new in your faith. And I want us to be a church that sees people that says you matter, I love you, I believe in you, I see you in the distance, I see your marriage in the distance, I see you having a child one day in the distance, those of you that have can't have children, I see you being healed in the distance, I see you filled with hope in the distance, I see this place so filled up that we have to open another campus because so many lost people came home. Can we be a church that sees people? Can we be a church that doesn't judge, that doesn't cast stones? Can we be a church it says blind be healed deaf be restored can we be a church where the weak can be strong where the depressed can have joy where those that don't have faith can be filled with boldness and conviction can God choose us to bring the lost home can God choose us to heal the broken can God choose us to hold the sign in the parking lot can God choose us to take care of the babies can God choose us to worship with abandonment let's worship him father let's worship the been inspired to make it on earth as it is in heaven. For more information, please visit our website, 